Great, thank you. Okay, welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Albert. I am Albert. I am a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm just, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. I haven't spoken in a really long time in an OA meeting. Um, I'm sure a good, well, a lot of familiar faces. So I'm sure my story isn't going to be new to some of you, but I'll try to go over most of it. What brought me here and, um, and how I've been doing and, um, my life is, is a complete and total miracle as a result of this program. I came into OA um, a little over 12 years ago. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm down well over 130, 140 pounds from my top weight. I am, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a miracle of this program. I came into this program and I did not believe that it was possible. Um, and I'll, I'll take a step before, before this program. Um, I was literally dying of loneliness um, and I was medicating my way through that loneliness with food. Um, I still, I don't wanna say that I struggle today. I don't. Um, absolutely none of what my life looks like today even closely resembles what it was like before I found these rooms. Um, so <sighs> my story is not new. It's everybody's story. Um, I, <sighs> in trying, I, I like, I, I want to, there's this part of me that has a story that I'm used to telling over and over and over and over. And in recent, you know, years, I've been moving away from, from that story because for, for a large part of, of my recovery, I had fallen into the trap of trying to explain how or why I was a compulsive overeater. And there was like very convenient narratives kept popping up like some childhood trauma, um, you know, a, a lot of issues that, that I thought I figured out. I thought I figured it out because I was smart. And uh, if I could put words to it and explain it, then I, then I would be able to control it in some way. So I, I, you know, I got a bachelor's degree in psychology, then a master's and a PhD. And then I started writing a book and, and areas of expertise that all were complete and total bullshit. They did not help me, not one bit. They gave me these great narratives and I was able to explain with precision in like tandem with these great theorists and it didn't help me. It just didn't help me. And I was suffering. And the more that I was able to put words to that suffering, the more I fell victim to it. Um, the happiest day of my life was the day I decided I was gonna kill myself. I've told that story over and over. Um, 
I said my goodbyes to my family, went out to Arizona to say goodbye to my only friend. And at the time I was pretty much living as a shut-in. I, I wouldn't leave my house. I had blankets over the windows, covers over the mirrors in my house. Uh, I left, I would leave my house in the middle of the night to go get my binge foods, um, or I'd go to my parents' house to like rob them of their groceries. I'd literally go into the back door, take what I needed and, and leave. Um, and I was suffering. I was, I was completely and totally suffering. I was helpless. I was hopeless. Um, I sought every means to escape this disease through outside means. And I, I just couldn't find it. Um, so I set out to kill myself and, um, I, I won't go into detail on that story, but um, I, I just called it quits. I was just gonna, I was gonna end my own life. And my, the first real miracle of a program kind of happened and I had to come home and figure out my life. And, um, and then I got to it and I have shared my journal in the past and I'm gonna, gonna read this. This is February 14th, Valentine's Day in 2008. Today's the day I promise to let myself feel love without fear. Today, I will make the necessary steps to live a more fuller and successful life. I'll celebrate my accomplishments and love those who support my growth. I will honor my parents and brothers by living up to my potential. I'll give back to those who have given to me. I'll love unconditionally. I will um, not pursue uh, wealth for well material wealth, rather having my value by giving to others. Uh, today, I'll start a goal to change significant areas of my life. Those will include my physical and mental health, my career, um, having deep loving relationships and seek a wife, actively seek mentors to help and advise uh, advise me to, mentor, to maintain my momentum. When I work toward my goals, I am showing love for myself and my family. When I reach my goals, I will enjoy my success and celebrate. Today, I acknowledge that I have denied myself love by sabotaging my success and relationships. Today on Valentine's Day, I and pledging my love to myself. By doing this, I will be better able to love my friends, family, and the wife and children I hope to have. I end this letter, letter by saying goodbye to the parts of, inside of me that have made me so unhappy for so many years. I'm not afraid I will love and be loved and have no more regret. Love, Albert. And just a few days later, on the 17th, not a good day, I broke my diet, but it's uh, Sunday and I'll start, I'll take the day off. Monday, I'll start at the gym and focus on my diet, blah, blah, blah. You know how that story goes. And uh, on the 19th, I am recognizing myself sab sabotaging resistance to make progress toward my goals. Um, my diet went well today, blah, blah, blah. And on and on, um, 
the 22nd, I let myself down. There's no excuse. My stomach hurts. I ate so much. I'm making myself fat. I need help. I need a game plan, blah, 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 on and on. And I have lots of these journals where the first page on every journal is a pledge to stop hurting myself with food and to start over and to try to make a change in my life. And at some point shortly after this is when I came across my therapist and I found her and after a couple of sessions when I said if only I could lose weight maybe I could find somebody to love me maybe I could find work or meaning in my life um, there was this idea that if only I could change my body then everything else would follow and um, my therapist recommended that I look into OA and um, I got offended. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, I didn't know what it was, but the name wasn't all that appealing. And I felt like, no, 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 I just need, I just need to do this one more time. And um, so I went on my last diet, which was a 500 calorie a day diet. Um, and then I'd have to do these injections. Um, I won't say what kind they were, but they were illegally purchased. These injections that I had to give myself in my stomach and eat 500 calories a day. And um, I was obviously losing weight really fast. And um, I went to my therapist and I'm like, um, look, I, I'm, I, I'm down like 50 pounds. I feel great. I look great. And she, she looked at me, she says, Albert, you look horrible. She cursed. I don't want to curse. I want to maintain. <laughs> but she's like, Albert, you look horrible. You look gray. Like your skin is not right. Like you don't look healthy. And I'm like, no, no, this is, it's working. And um, shortly after that, the weight stopped coming off. Um, I stopped the diet. And then I think I put on about 20 pounds really fast. And um, my therapist again said, look, there's a meeting down the street. This was on a Tuesday night. Uh, there's a meeting down the street. Why don't you just hang out a little while and go to that meeting? And uh, I said, okay, okay, I'll do it. And she says, okay, good. Call me after. And I'm like, shit, now I have to go to this meeting. I was not going to go to the meeting. I did not want to call her and tell her that I went to the meeting, but I went to the meeting. It was uh, on Robertson um, at the log cabin. And I parked across the street and through the side mirror, I could see people walking in, into, the, into the building. And um, I just watched and I didn't wanna go in. And, um, but it was getting close to that time. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go. And at this point in my life, I was literally invisible to people. Um, I, I was just invisible to people. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about when I say that. And I walked into this room and I sat near the door in this big circle. And these two guys to my right started talking to me and they welcomed me into the room. And I've never seen them again. But um, yeah, at that time, at that time, like I was a shut-in. And I would wait, like every week, I would just wait to see my therapist. Like that was the highlight 
And for me to walk into a place and people see me and be friendly to me was something that I wasn't used to. Um, so the meeting happened and two people came up to me after and they were also really friendly. And before I knew it, I was going to about a meeting a day, almost every day. Uh, and that was over 12 years ago. Um, I found a sponsor who helped me get abstinent. So that sponsor said, um, he asked me what your abstinence, like he says, what's your abstinence? I said, uh, no binging. And he says, well, how do you, how do you define a binge? And I'm like, I don't know. I just know when I do it. And he says, no, 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 that's, that's not an abstinence. Your abstinence is going to be three meals a day. And, uh, I'm like, but nutritionists say you should eat six times a day. <laughs> He's like, how's that working out for you? And I'm like, you know, it wasn't working out for me. So um, I tried three meals a day. And at the time I heard someone say a meal is anything that fits on a plate. And uh, so, you know, I would have three piles of food on a plate a day uh, and it was working. The strange, it was strange as it sounds, it was working. Uh, and as I became more honest, as I worked the steps, as I found a higher power that could relieve me of my obsession over food, my meals got smaller. And then I added one snack and my meals got smaller. Um, and I added another snack. Um, and my meals got smaller, I got smaller, and my life became totally unmanageable because I didn't know myself. Uh, I think at that point, I had some point in my first year, I was down like 60 pounds in program, but like 100 pounds in my life. Um, and it was just, I, it's in, in some ways being completely reborn to a different life. Um, and I, it's almost all a blur because there's a level of recovery and a level of honesty that took me into other rooms uh, that, that helped me expand my idea of what a higher power is in my life. Um, and that took, that took a lot of, that took a lot of figuring out. Um, the God part, um, it's sort of that thing where like, as I took, you know, a step toward God, like, yeah, God got closer to me and showed me miracles that I wasn't anticipating. And that, that I can't tell you how many times that that has happened in, in, um, in my recovery. Um, um, I'm almost at a loss for what to talk about because uh, I'm struck by, I'm just, before this meeting, I was just slightly struggling with some issues that have nothing to do with my recovery. But sometimes I like to point to my recovery and say, it's because my food is so clean that my emotions are kind of all over the place. Um, but that's, that's not the case. It, it's, um, 
I'm learning at this point in my recovery. And I think I just did a long tangent from where I started my share. Because at the beginning, I was talking a lot about the narratives that I think explain why I am a compulsive overeater. And the one that has been unfolding over the last couple of years is one really focused on my not knowing who I am. And I'll tell people, you know, a lot of programs, you'll hear people say, um, I'm learning to love myself. And while that's true for me in this program, I didn't know who I was for most of my time in program. I was whoever other people wanted me to be. I didn't know how to be me. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, I honest to God would not know where to begin. I just wanted people to care about me, to show me love, to, uh, to accept me. And I constantly compromised who I was so that I could get that. And then that feeling that I had betrayed myself always put me into food. Um, so getting to know myself is has really been the biggest challenge of 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 program for me that as I uncovered these stories and started to figure out that the stories were just excuses for not putting in the time and effort to actually saying who I want to be and pursuing that so that if I said that I was a good man um, what does that mean? And where is the evidence of that? Like, what would a good man do in this situation? And that has been where most of my recovery has come from lately. In my writing, um, every bit of my journaling for, for the last few years now starts with, uh, I'm a child of God and a man of faith. And as a child of God, I can pray and let go of the results or let go of the way I think things are supposed to happen in my life and trust that God will have me on his path. And so long as I'm on that path, as a child of God, I am taken care of and I don't look for anyone else to, to step in and, and take care of me. I'm a child of God. I am taken care of period. As a man of faith, it's up to me to do the things that I know I can do or should do to better my life. And as a man of faith, I have to write constantly on that clarity. So it's not so much that I am like turning to these old stories about who I am, but recognizing that there are parts of me that come up on a day-to-day -day basis that are not me. They're just the parts of, of these old narratives that come up. Um, but the, the one thing that I can turn to when I try to get present is as, as a man of faith, what would I do in this moment? As, as a man of faith, how would I handle this situation? As a man of faith, how will I show up to be of service to, to these people? Um, and it really gets me outside of who other people want me to be and 
and these old patterns that I sometimes find myself in. And a huge part of my recovery as of late has come from the clarity in outlining what it means to be a man of faith. Um, and again, I've, I've said this before, and I, I do like over and over, um, my, my higher power has evolved in the rooms. And for like six or seven years now, um, my higher power had been this metaphor that I had come across online while, while looking at these videos about, about NASA and Hubble telescope. And I'll, I'll just tell the story really quick because I do like to, to say it. So I came across this video and in 1996, uh, NASA scientists pointed the Hubble telescope at an area of sky no larger than a grain of sand stretched out at arm's length. So this tiny piece of sky, um, the, the scientists directed the Hubble telescope there. And for 15, I want to say it was 15 rotations of the Earth, um, the telescope, the lens of the telescope was open and photons that had been traveling for billions of light years began to enter the sensors of the world's most powerful um, telescope. And when they, um, when they when they like uh, processed the image, what was revealed was 3,500 galaxies, each containing billions of stars. And that became the metaphor for my higher power. My higher power is the tiniest, tiniest thing inside of me where I don't believe that there's anything there. There's nothing good. There's nothing lovable. There's nothing worthwhile. There's just there's nothing there. And, and what's being revealed to me uh, is really more than anything I could have ever imagined. I am, when they say, when you hear people say, I am living a life beyond my wildest dreams, that is, that couldn't be more true for me today. And while I don't have some of the things that my journal, you know, when I set out and wrote my journal and said, I hope I have a wife and kids and all of those things, I don't have those things today. And that's okay. But the miracle in my life is not that I get some or maybe one day all. It's just, it's the miracle is that I have a higher power and the plan that my higher power has for me is it's just been so much better than any plan that I had for myself. If I gave in to who I thought I was, um, or if I was a reflection of, of my neighborhood or, you know, the, how I grew up or where I grew up, um, I wouldn't have done half of the things that I've done in my life today. I have, the miracle of this program is I've been surrounded by people with enough recovery to hold space for me to be who I'm meant to be. Instead of surrounding myself with people that try to mold me into what they want me to be. I'm surrounded by people who 
have heard me say some of the craziest things and they don't reject me. They hold space for me or they come to me with curiosity about how I feel or what's going on in my life for me to feel this way or do something like that. Or whenever I say, I wanna pursue this thing, they say, great like, tell me more about that instead of, oh, don't do that. It sounds like you're controlling things. It doesn't sound like you're letting God in. It doesn't, like, I don't get that from the people that I surround myself with today. Um, thank you. Um, I fear, well, no, I don't fear. I was going to say, I fear that I'm not saying something good. And like, that's not the point. Um, I do have enough recovery to feel like at the end of this share, I'm not gonna beat myself up for all the things I didn't say, like I normally do. I spent, I think 10 years doing that. I, the last two I've been like, all right, it, not all of them are gonna be winners. So sometimes I just, you know, blurt some stuff. Um, so maybe, maybe I could, I think this is the time for questions or I'll leave some time for questions. So maybe if somebody would like to ask me something. Um, well, thanks can, so much, yeah. that's awesome, thank you. And thank if you'd you. like to ask Albert a question, please uh, raise your hand, click on reactions. And, uh, and the first question will be from Ben S. Hi, Ben S. Um, so you spoke a little bit about body image and I would like to hear a little bit more about your journey with that. Um, and what has helped you through this program with your body image? I hate my, I hated my body. I was a water polo player in high school and college. And, and before college, I was in the Marines. Um, and as a high school, high school All-American in water polo, uh, I was in the water some six hours a day, um, five, six days a week. And I couldn't get covered up quick enough. I was ashamed of my body. I, I had no connection to it. Uh, I, I literally have no pictures of myself without me hiding behind family um, because I had such a distorted view of, of my body. Um, I'm like close to 200 pounds. I am in the best shape of my life at 46 years old. And I love my body and it's none of my business what other people think of it. I take care of myself. Uh, if I am around people, everybody's wearing a mask when I'm not at home. I wear very expensive cologne. I love it because I love myself and I want to smell good. Um, I like to dress really nice even when I'm at home and nobody is going to see me I at the beginning of quarantine I bought these cashmere sweaters and I'm like I just want to feel good in my cashmere sweaters and <laughs> like I learned to like body and I am not worried about what other people think of it I'm looking for one, you know, one person to love me. I would like to get married one day and I'm not so concerned um, that 
the person that I'm meant to be with would be so shallow is to judge me for the imperfections that, you know, that are the scars of, of this disease, you know, literally and figuratively. Um, I don't know if that answered it, but thanks. Thanks so much, Carl, you're next. Thank you, Michelle. Hi, Albert, it's good to see Hi, you. Carl. Carl, good to see you. Yes, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, I, wonder, <laughs> I remember when. Yeah. I, uh, I wonder if you would share with us how you work the program today, both the spiritual side and uh, kind of what your food plan is. Thank you. I have, uh, I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I'm very spiritual when it comes to how I work the program. Like, like I said, I do that very, like, I am a child of God. I am a man of faith. And then I, I talk about who do I want to be today? Um, my abstinence is three meals a day, two optional snacks, whatever fits on a plate comfortably. I do not eat fast food. I have not had fast food in 11 years, at least 11 years. Um, I, and I'll say I pay for health. And in, in moving in that direction that I pay for health, I have a meal plan that I, I actually got a meal, um, a coach to help me put together a meal plan. Uh, and I have all these loopholes in my abstinence. And I thought, uh, I, I sabotage a lot of my, when I start to get to a place where I'm comfortable with my body, I sabotage. So I, I got this coach to help me write a meal plan and she holds me accountable. And if I were to have an abstinent meal, that's not a part of my meal plan, I have to send her money. I have to send her like, uh, I have to pay if I can have whatever I want, but I have to pay for it. Um, and I have not had a single slip since I started that because the moment I, I start to rationalize, well, I could pay for it. Um, the pay isn't the, it's not the money. It's the, it's the cycle that it starts. Um, it's the self-abuse. It's the suicidal ideation that follows Three to five days after I eat something off my meal plan, my mood swings in, in the most self-abusive ways. So I have somebody that, that I consider outside help, but the, the willingness that I have in, in my meal plan has come from a connection with my higher power. It's not, a, it's not the psychological tricks. It's not the... Um, it's just not the old way of thinking. This is a, let me bring God into this and let's experiment. Let's see, let's see how this goes. And I've tried everything with, um, like nothing has a, there's no seriousness to it. it there's it's just very gentle and playful experiments that I do in, in my program and recovery. Thanks so much. And Andriette, you're next. Hi, Albert, thanks for your share. Do you still write love letters for your, to yourself? And if so, how have they changed? Um, sorry. <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. And oh, like I had one, I had one up. You know, they, I do, 
I have like this heading, it's vision, clarity, focus, drive, and execution. So everything starts with like, like my a vision. Uh, everything starts with, um, I'm a child of God. I am a man of faith. My love letters to myself are sometimes a love letter to God in where I am not praying to any God outside of me. I'm praying to the God inside of me that, that there is um, like, there's just an, uh, an honoring of myself that I try to practice. And, and I, yeah, I do that. And, and, and the other love letter that to be completely blunt and honest, there's a part of me that's like, there's a part of me that is slightly aggressive or assertive in that, like the love letter, not always, but a lot of times is kind of telling somebody to like, go to hell. Like you go to hell, you go to hell every like, and because I'm, I'm so quick to abandon my own needs for somebody else um, that I've learned to really stand up for myself and create boundaries. So there's a part where I, I like do that. And like, I do a lot of self-talk to the adult, not the child. Years ago, I did a lot of child stuff, but now I like look at me, the 46 year old man who isn't always happy with where I'm at. And, and I say to myself, I see you, I hear you, I acknowledge and accept you. I love you for who you are. Like I get into long, long meditations uh, with that process. So I might squeeze one more in, I think. Real short question from Bob and then, then 620 is it. So Bob, you're up. Uh, hi, Albert. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. I really related to a lot of the things that you talked about, like being um, being an athlete, working out many days out of the week, feeling that if only you know your your body came back to you, everything would fall back into place, and all the women would come back, and all the girlfriends would come back, and all the all the the people that or the things that we wanted, or, or even feeling suicidal. But my my short question to you was is I'm a newcomer and. I wanted to know if you would sponsor me. Uh, the short answer is, yeah, give me a call. I will send you my phone number. I'll put it in the chat right now for anybody who would like to call me. Um, Thank you. I don't know if it's Albert. open, but let's have a conversation. And congratulations on your, your recovery. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's, that's all the time we have. Thank you again so much, Albert. And I'm gonna turn it over to our secretary, Jesse.